I didn't actually work on my voice today. It was just me today. I didn't <coughs> try and make it. <clears throat> la, 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 la. Okay. Did you hear that? A voice. A voice other than my own. That's right. An interview. Earlier this week, I went to a podcasting meetup at Oberlin College, and the special guest there that evening was... My name is Mayan Plout. I am a class of 2010 Oberlin graduate, which is why we're sitting here together today. I am the podcast librarian and content strategist for Radio Public, which is a podcast listening app company that works with podcaster engagement. A podcast librarian. That has got to be in the top 10 most futuristic jobs out there. Two quick notes. Um, Number one, there will be links in the show notes for the stuff we discuss. And number two, I was and still am getting over a cold, so if you think my voice sounds weird, it's because it does. And without further ado, enjoy my interview with Mayan Plout from Radio Public. And for people who don't know, what is a podcast librarian? Great question. I'm the only one that exists. Um, So what is a podcast librarian? A podcast librarian, the way I've described my job to people, especially to my grandmother, who doesn't necessarily have like a grasp on what podcasts are, is to say that I um, research, recommend, and curate podcasts for people. And that ranges from people who've never listened to a podcast before to people who've listened to a lot of things and are looking for something new. It is a very fun job, but also a very hard job because there are a lot of podcasts and there are lots of podcasts coming out every day and it's hard to know where they are in the world. Um, I uh, Written into my job description is a sentence that I really like, which is that a podcast librarian is a gateway to discovery for new podcasts. Do you think that in the future there will be more people like you or will it be replaced with like algorithms and apps and stuff like that? Which do you prefer to? Okay, that is a really interestingly hard question to me. So I I think that there are a lot of people out there with the soul of a podcast librarian, which means that they have this urge to listen to a lot of things and figure out what podcasts go with what people. Mm-hmm. And that both goes on like an episode level, like this episode was really awesome, but also on a show level, like you need to listen to every single episode of this show. Um, I'm going to try and like not talk about specific shows because it's, it's actually a challenge as a podcast librarian because like there are things that I love to listen to um, and it falls into a very specific niche um, and there's so many other podcasts out there that like I'm willing to give most anything a try um, but I also like as a librarian and in the librarian mindset you have to like know where your own lines are and where your own biases are and like what you do and don't recommend to people so it's almost an understanding of how and why people like the things that they like so that you can help them find more things like it, even if it's not your thing personally. Right, right. But your question, do I think that more people like me will exist in the world or will it be replaced by algorithms? I struggle with this question. And the reason why I struggle with this question is I think that humans can understand qualities that other humans are seeking in things better than a computer can understand them. I think an algorithm is pretty good at dealing with content but not necessarily emotion or mindset. And even like adding in emoji reactions or like figuring out like if people use more like positive or negative words in a sentence, like those are great things to know, but like what is personally driving somebody to want to hear like every episode of a true crime podcast versus um, a series of fictional stories. Like those are two very different things that you might 
have enough words as a listener to say, I like hearing things that scare me or I like hearing things that teach me something, but a computer will only get so far and a human will probably get it the rest of the way. So I think it's actually a blend of more human curation and more human sensibilities along with algorithms to help surface more things. Does that help? Yeah, that's what I want to hear too. Cool. (laughs) Well, I think also there's a big part of this that is um, the world of audio and the indexing of audio is very... I feel like almost rudimentary compared to all the other forms of media indexing that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, very few people transcribe their audio. There isn't bit there. There is speech to text that you can like put in an audio file and get out text as a result. But it's very hard to search audio now. And because of that, I think we have to rely very much on human curation rather than algorithmic curation because humans are actually the ones consuming it and then uh, like processing what is this thing and what does it mean and why does somebody want it? The algorithms are sorting also a lot by tags yeah, as opposed to like what actually drove the person to make the podcast. What is the listener looking for in the podcast? And there are a lot of unspoken things that people don't necessarily realize or may realize after a certain amount of time that like at least for me like I really really like hearing women talking on podcasts. So it's exciting that we're talking for that too. <laughs> um, but part of it is like, that's just like, I hear my own voice probably more than I hear any other voice. So I should probably hear more other voices like mine. But I also recognize when I'm hearing things that are not mine and that are like not mine in a good way or not mine in a boring way. Um, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that because it feels like a, a rooted question and like, what does discovery for podcasts mean? And what does it mean for the future of podcasts in general? Um, when everybody makes something, how is it found by people? And how do you make sure that it's enjoyed by people as well? Right. Speaking of the future of podcasts, mm-hmm. um, do you think there's an upward trend? Oh, yes. One of the things that you actually missed was um, the, so at the beginning of this uh Meetup. I talked a little bit about um, Edison research data. Um, there's not a ton of research around the podcast listening that exists, but there is some, and it's very promising. Um, so Edison research last year said that there were 24 people, tw- sorry, in the last year, 24% of U.S. people had listened to a podcast in the last month. Um, that's like 68 million people. Um, and that is up like 5% from last year. And I'm only assuming that's going to continue to go up this year, which means that there will likely be 10 million people hearing their first podcast this year, which is awesome to think about, but also scary because where are they going to come from? And like, what are they going to like? And how are they going to find their first thing? And do they know what to do with it when they hear it or hear about a podcast? Also, what are they replacing in their lives to put podcasts there? Oh, interesting. (laughs) I am intrigued by this. Because I don't know that, so uh, I find that one of the reasons that I found myself really interested in podcasts is that it was filling up space that I hadn't necessarily filled with something before. Um, so maybe the thing that I am reducing is quiet, but I also am a person who really likes having sound around me. Like I like having the sounds of human voices near me, and podcast listening is a social interaction that does not require me to do a ton of work and not all of my interactions need to have that much work related to them. But sometimes I just want to be around people and podcasts are my friends. Um, There's a really cool chart that some actually higher ed podcasters made a couple years back to try and identify where in a day a student might have to listen to podcasts um, and whether or not there is some other sound or media stimulus and that is a question, but like 
they identified at least four different times of day in which a student might have to listen to a podcast. So while brushing their teeth in the morning, while um, walking to their bus stop, while on the bus, while at the gym, while um, walking to dinner, while like, and you could expand this or contract this as much or as little as possible. So like everyone's favorite time to listen to a podcast is not necessarily the same time. And like there are obvious ones like while you are exercising or while you're commuting, but then there are less obvious ones like I really, really love listening to podcasts while I'm in the shower. Probably weird, but it's because it is a time that my brain is otherwise completely clear and it lets me listen to things that are really, really big. Um, it does always bring up questions of sound quality because I have to be able to hear it while showering. But I have actually like a selection of shows that I really like to listen to in the shower because their audio quality is really high and there is not a lot of like bassy sounds that get lost in the sounds of shower water. So I think it I think part of it is in the 10 million people that are going to listen to their first podcast this year is what device they're listening on. Are they going to listen on their computer? Are they going to listen on their phone? Are they going to listen by themselves? Are they going to listen with someone else? And is it going to be easy for them to listen for the first time and then continue listening after that first time? So if 10 million people try their first podcast this year, but only like 1 million of them actually listen to another episode, that's worrisome. But it's also like, I don't think that that's going to happen right. because I find that it's so, like people just want to do it. They want to keep on listening to things. And it's so personalizable. Just like, like you said, different devices you can use, different times of day. Mm -hmm. You can be doing so many different things. Yeah. So. And I think I, I like the way that you phrased that question of what is going to be replaced in their life with podcasts. I think part of it is not necessarily knowing where it fits in and getting examples of where it could um, is really helpful. My, one of my, my coworkers is obsessed with the idea of um, podcast for housework because housework is boring and also something that you dread. But what if you associated that task with a thing that you really liked? Um, and knowing that like your one hour a week listening to this show could be the hour in which you tidy up your house. So you could like possibly associate these things together. Okay. So here's a question that you got asked. Um, what is it about Oberlin? Mm. I looked at the alumni page and all those famous podcasters like Roman Mars mm -hmm. and Radio Lab duo mm -hmm. and um, the who does startup? Alex, Alex Bloomberg. Right. Mm -hmm. So, what is it about Oberlin that got so many of you guys into podcasting? Um, great question. Um, so. I think on my own personal journey to finding myself wanting to work in the world of podcasts, it was actually really reassuring to see that many people there because it seemed like a confirmation that this was a good place for people like me who are curious about all things. They could find a place there and um, like really thrive in that space. So the theory that I, I sort of ascribe to right now is that um, Oberlin people are extremely curious. We are pushed to ask really hard questions in the world, and we are always seeking answers. Um, I think that helps podcasters to be ever curious and to be ever question askers. But I also think that based on the liberal arts nature of Oberlin, and it's not just Oberlin. I think Oberlin has like a staggeringly large number of podcasters, but we're not the only liberal arts school that has a lot of podcast makers in their alumni network. Um, I think liberal arts thinks about the intersections of different topics and those intersections make for very really interesting stories but also um, really ripe spaces for creativity. I think given also Oberlin's relationship to music and just sound in general, there is a fondness for it even without wanting to make things. Um, 
I feel like I have known about podcasts as long as they've been around because I have been around Oberlin people my entire life. And I think the last piece, which I don't know if I touched upon earlier, is that the environment of Oberlin is really encouraging for you to not say no to things. And I know it almost sounds counterintuitive that like at some point you're going to have to say no because you're going to run out of time. But Oberlin, the space is very much about connecting things together. So how can I do this and this or this and this? Um, and when you think about that, like, why not try something completely new and different? It feels really, it feels really natural to me. And I guess now that I've worked in this industry for a year and a half, um, I think there's one other piece that I probably should have shared with the rest of the group. But um, one of the things I've noticed in the last year and a half is that um, podcasters are some of the nicest people-oriented people I've ever met. And since I have spent so much time around Oberlin people, that is also a top quality of Oberlin people. Um, not that there aren't other people who embrace this quality as well, but one of the things that I appreciated most about my time at Oberlin as a student, and even prior to being a student here, is that I just was ever drawn to people who liked being around other people and were compassionate in that way. And that, like, I don't know, I feel like there's an intimacy and a love for humans that comes out in podcasting and podcast making and specific, specifically that really draws Oberlin people to it. Just a couple, like, technical-ish questions. Uh, what speed do you listen to your podcast? Oh, I am. I like 1.3. Um, okay, so you do have, like, I, is there, like, the purest? Like so, okay, so here's the thing. I have to listen to a lot of things, and if I had my way, I would be listening at one pretty much all the time because I want to know how people made it to be heard. Um, I have a couple shows that I listen to on just one, and it's anything in which the sound design is absolutely vital to the listening to it. So anything related to music, anything that has like really intricate soundscapes, um, always at one. Um, for most things, uh, 1.3, I think one of the reasons why I like it so much is that people's voices still sound normal. Mm -hmm. um, it just picks up the pace ever so slightly. It's like uh, it puts a little hop in your step sort of sound. Um, and pauses are still present. And I think pauses are important because it's around pacing and that kind of part of storytelling feels really important to me. Um, I do listen to interview shows, um, usually at 1.5. And part of that is just interview shows tend to be a little bit longer. They're usually edited, but I want to make sure that um, I'm consuming as much of what they're talking about as possible without also like <laughs> using my minimal hours in the day to only listen to interviews, because I love interviews and could listen to them all the time, but it's only a fraction of the things that I like to listen to. And what app do you use to... You're going to just make me talk about my company now. Um, I listen with Radio Public because it is... So the funny thing about it is that um, I did not really know that there were other options for me when I started listening to podcasts. Like, I used Apple Podcasts. Like, that was it. Except at the time, I'm pretty sure it was just called the Purple Podcast app on my phone. So I did not know that there were going to be much better options for me as a person who liked to listen to a lot of things and only have used Apple Podcasts and also the Radio Public app. And the Radio Public app... While I love it quite a lot, um, every so often we'll like do something weird because I'm on the testing version and I had like a solid week in which like nothing, like I couldn't open it and I couldn't get to any of my shows and I was freaking out and I went back to Apple Podcasts for a moment. I was like, this is terrible. This is, it. and I'm not even on iOS 11. So it's saying something that it's was terrible in 10 and it's still, it's actually possibly worse in iOS 11. A lot of the things that I find to be completely intuitive about our app, the Radio Public app, is um, non-existent in the Apple Podcast app. And 
I also find myself like I don't have space, infinite space on my phone to have like everything automatically download. I try not to use data for podcasts because I listen to so many things. Like there are a lot of qualities that I need in an app that Apple Podcasts was not giving me. And at this point, I think the main reason why I love the radio public app, it just sounds silly because like I work there. So obviously I love it. Um, it's easier for me to organize what I'm listening to and it also makes it easier and it gives me like the freedom to just browse in the things that I like rather than feeling like I need to listen to every episode of something because that overwhelm is super real and really, really bad when your job is podcasts. Also, complete listening history. That's the best part about it. I love it. I need to like keep track of everything I listen to and not having listening history is like, it's actually like extremely detrimental to my job to not have a listening history. How much time a day do you spend listening to podcasts? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually don't. So when I didn't work at home and when the weather was nice, I was probably listening a couple hours a day. But at this point, it is a good day that I listen to one episode. Um, today is possibly an anomaly because it's a holiday. I listened to four episodes and it was awesome. Um, I, I, the times at which I like to listen are actually outside and it's February in Northeastern Ohio and it's not the best time, um, to be doing that. Well, that's sort of encouraging because like I don't listen enough either, right? But even you can't listen well, as much as you want. So. I feel like there's actually more podcasts out there than number of people with time to listen to them which is an interesting larger question around like when will the plateau, when will this plateau, like when will the industry of podcasting plateau? Um, I don't know if it will or won't. I think it's, we're just going to get better at finding exactly the thing that we want for ourselves and figuring out where in our days we want it to be. Um, an absolute favorite podcast? Oh boy. Um, so this is a difficult question for me because the podcast that I... I feel the most strongly connected to is no longer publishing. Um, the show Millennial was a young woman named Megan Tan from Ohio, went to school in Kentucky. I, on the flip side, grew up in Kentucky, went to school in Ohio, um, basically decided to make a podcast about her, her pursuit to become a podcaster, um, a little bit like startup, but for a person. Um, she was angling to try and get a job in radio and did this podcast. Um, got a job in radio, realized that what she wanted was actually be her own business owner. Um, made her show, made money at it, uh, joined the Radiotopia Network, and like, it's, it's such a saga. And part of the reason why it's such a saga is that the reason why all of us fell in love with her as a podcaster was that she was so open to talking about the challenges of what it means to become a person like a full person with a job and like a personal life and like all of that. Um, and the way in which you saw her show continuing to grow was her taking a back seat to other people through different changes in their lives. And the reason that we loved the show was her, not her as a catalyst for other people talking about their lives. Cause she was just like such a like warm, compelling individual. And I also think that it was like perfectly timed. And when I was trying to find what I could be in the world of podcasting, that just felt like, my guide to like how I could do things better and that was exciting but also like at the point at which she sort of hit pause on making her show um I had finally found my place in this as well so like I think we were on the same journey at the same time to slightly different ends um but I think it's probably had more of an impact on how I do 
how I exist now, probably in any other show, but like it's a condensed like 49 episode thing. I'm also of the mind that like it's okay for things to end um, and that like it's good to just have like a time capsule of like a moment and that it's also really, 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 really hard to just like share pieces of your life with people and them feeling very closely connected to you and you know nothing about them. Like I feel all of that, but it's still one of my favorite things to ever exist and I'm both like really happy that it has ended but also a little sad that it's ended as well. I listen to a lot of things, but it's still probably the one that like I think about the most and has had the most like impact on my life. I was almost afraid that you wouldn't have like an absolute favorite just because of like how much different things you've listened to, but that's an awesome answer. So awesome. I think when I think about like the kind of podcast that I gravitate toward the most, um, I'm definitely more interested in shorter things and longer things. I like hearing women talking about stuff a lot. I like learning things I've never learned before or hearing a story told in a way I never heard before. So, like, I am very much in a pursuit of, like, a thing that doesn't exist yet. Um, but also, I really, really love hearing when people love making something. Um, I don't know. I also have a yeah, totally looking for something that doesn't exist yet. That's, like, the definition of your job, right? Because you yeah. always have to be looking for something. Exactly. Otherwise, at one point, your job's just going to have to end, right? So... Well, I think that my job will morph, and that is a good thing um, as more and more podcasts come into being. Like, I don't think I can try and catalog them all. Um, not that I'm trying to do that right now, but it would be a, um, it is a Sisyphusian task. I think that's all I had. Ah, you're Thank a great you interviewer. So this is my first time interviewing anyone ever. So really? Yeah. I would yeah. not think that at all. You <laughs> are, it was. You're a great interviewer. You're, like, good at connecting things. Back and forth. Yeah, and I'm surprised to each I like thought of questions too. Like I was afraid I would just like go into lockdown, just like down the list. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's good. No, it's I. Awesome. The, you prepared and you did it right, and you asked, which is like a really like if you if you'd come in and be like, can I interview you? And I'm like, I don't know. Right, right. Not that I don't love talking. <clears throat> Here's a little bonus lesson. If you noticed right at the end, she said that I'd asked. And that was key, both because that way she was prepared for me and because I didn't feel tempted to shy away from doing the interview. What I did is, the week before the meetup, I reached out to Mayan on Twitter asking if it was okay to do a sort of mini-interview. Also, I did my research on Radio Public and on how to conduct interviews, and I typed out all my questions. I was set. So when the moment for the interview came, all I had to do was pull out my question sheet and turn on the recorder. There were no moments in between where I had the opportunity to second-guess myself. I'd already committed, already gotten everything set up, back in the beginning, back when I'd been super pumped to do this. The lesson? Make it hard for yourself to back down from a challenge. When you come across something you know you should do, and you know you will get a lot of value and experience out of doing, Double down, set it all up, do the prep, schedule as soon as possible. So when the moment comes, you have little chance to wig out and say no. Pave for yourself a path of least resistance. Well, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this episode as I had fun making it. And thanks again to Mayan for being such a great interviewee. As always, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at RootsMac, that's R-O-O-T-Z-M-A-C, you can also find more episodes of Better With Books on SoundCloud, iTunes, Overcast, Radio Public, wherever it is you get your podcasts.